What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Today on Sports 360, I'm joined by Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. As usual, Rob joins me to talk about Major League Baseball. Today, we'll discuss MLB's struggle to return to the field of play, a struggle that is taking place at a time when our country is dealing with the anger, frustration, and outrage from millions of everyday citizens who are fed up with continued acts of inhumanity claiming the lives of black Americans. It's a challenging time for us all, and we're ready to take it on right here on Sports 360. Joining me today on Sports 360 is Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports, and he joins me to, today to talk about baseball and um, some other things that are going on in the world. But Rob, first of all, man, how you doing? I'm doing good, Jeff. Doing good. Uh, you know, getting by with everything we got going on. Yeah, and there's a lot going on. We haven't spoken in a few weeks now. Um, uh, you know, we're... The country's starting to come out of the coronavirus a little bit, and so that's good, obviously. Um, and the talk of, you know, getting back into sports is gaining some traction. It seems like we're going to be going there real soon, and baseball, and we're going to talk about that today, um, but also basketball and hockey as well. So it seems like things are moving in that direction Um and all those things are, are good signs. Yeah, definitely. It's it's good to get a little bit of, of what our normal life was to come back a little bit for us. So it, it's kind of like a breath of fresh air for us. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy about it um, at, at the prospects of it, you know, and, and I know a lot of people are, you know, there, there's so many uh, sports fans that have been missing sports and, you know, We've been watching some virtual sports, right? Um, I think the last time we were on, we talked about, you know, some of the virtual stuff that's been going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's okay. And I think it's okay for a while. But I think for the, the mainstream fans, you know, seeing the professionals back out there is what people are longing for right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's a... I actually saw towards the end of the um, the Yankees' last championship in 09, and it felt great to watch and see them win the, the World Series, but it would be great to see them win it this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would. And I don't know, there was um, there was a player, Rob, and I forget who it was, who said that if, if you know, whoever wins the World Series this year, it would even be more meaningful. I forget which player it was. Yeah. It was a prominent player who, you know, because some people say it would be cheapened, right, because you wouldn't have a full season. And his view was the opposite. He was saying, no, he thinks that it would be even more meaningful. And I, and I think perhaps because of all the things that players and teams would have to overcome 
in terms yeah. of just getting back on the field and all the other things, right, to get back out there and to play under some unusual situations and come out on top. Maybe that's what he meant. Yeah, I, and I definitely agree with him. It's, you know, you have to get hot right off the start, depending on how many games um, they end up agreeing to play. You kind of have to come out the gate pretty hot to ride a good streak and right into the playoffs, whatever format they're going to have. So I think it is going to be a bit of a challenge. You're, you're going to be able, you're not going to be able to have these, you know, prolonged slumps and stuff like that going on and still expect to succeed long-term when, when there's such a short season. Yeah, it puts a premium on, you know, as you said, getting off to that good start. So yeah, every we'll game is going to matter. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. But, um, but, you know, having said that, you know, with, you know, baseball looking like it's going to return and we want to talk about that and, you know, with the pandemic seeming to at least easing up somewhat so that we can have some meaningful discussions about returning to play. We're also finding ourselves, though, right now, Rob, as we're talking here on June 1st in the midst of some unrest um, throughout you know, several cities, at least in several cities in the, in the country over, you know, the, the death of George Floyd and, you know, police brutality and some other events, you know, Ahmaud Arbery. Um, and there's a lot of frustration among a lot of people right now that, you know, it puts sports in a, in a, in a different context and, and, and what have you, but, there's a lot going on. And so um, before talking about sports and the return to baseball, I just wanted to spend a little time and get your thoughts a little bit about what's going on right now um, as we see the unrest and, and just the, the heartache, the pain, the frustration, the anger that a lot of people are feeling right now. Yeah, and, I'm, and, and you and I spoke a little bit before we went on air. Um, there is a lot of frustration built up. and. Um, you know, just seeing the images and the videos of everything that happened, the interaction between the police officer and, and George Floyd, and, you know, ultimately, he he was murdered, he was killed by, by the actions of the police officer. And, you know, we wonder why this situation hurts a little more or why it, it feels worse than the other situations. And it's not that so much that this was more important is just I feel that a lot of us just we've had enough. We've had enough of, of the killings. We've had enough of these, you know, young men and women being mistreated, not just because, you know, it's not always just the race thing for me. I think it's also just the human factor of it, just seeing people mistreat people the way they're being, they're hurting them intentionally. And it's not okay. It's not okay to hurt to put your hands on someone that way, you know, to put your neck on your, your knee on someone's neck that way, it's just not okay. And um, you know, the feeling, you know, I'm, I'm my parents are Dominican. Um, I'm Dominican, but I was born in New York, so I I get that sense. You know, these are my brothers and sisters being affected by this stuff, and you know, I have a two-year-old son who one day is going to be older, and you know, I've had conversations with my wife, um, you know, with all this stuff going on, and we've kind of looked at each other and said, we may have to have this talk with him because, you know, 
he's not dark-skinned, but he's Dominican. He's Dominican. He has some Puerto Rican in him. My wife is half, half Puerto Rican, half Dominican. So he's not going to get all the same, you know, chances or be, you know, get the benefit of the doubt in a lot of cases. So he is going to be a young man one day. He's going to be a grown man one day. And somebody's going to look at him the wrong way because he's a Dominican or whatever the case may be. And it's tough to know that you have to have that conversation with your kids. And it's getting younger and younger, the ages that people are having to have these conversations with their kids. And it's just unsettling. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot of, just people having the fear that their children growing up are going to suffer this same fate. And now they have to have these conversations very early or show them these graphic videos and images very early so that they can get an understanding of what the real world is like out there. And that's that's sad. It's, it makes me angry. It chokes me up a little bit to talk about it, puts a knot in my throat to just have to have this conversation. But unfortunately, that's kind of where we are in society today, where this is still happening. And I think that's what we're seeing. Just it's not this happened. It's this happened again. And that's that's the anger part. And that's the this is enough part that I think a lot of people, including myself, are feeling. Yeah, I mean, you, you you said it there, you know, you said a lot there. And and I do believe that a lot of what we're seeing in terms of the unrest is people expressing that enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm an African-American man. I, you know, I was born in Brooklyn, you know, raised in Queens. So, you know, I'm, and, you know, right in the hood you know what i mean this is where i come from and you know even even you know i'm a little bit older you know in the sense of you know i'm born in the early 60s you know and and um even at that time as a teenager and as a young man in my 20s you know we we had issues with cops and things of that sort Um, nothing that is what we're seeing now you know at least i didn't have that personally but you know, um, as as a black man and as a black person, how can you not relate to that and see what's going on and, and have all kinds of, you know, the frustration, the anger at, you know, at the brutality. But this is in the end for me, this is this is about humanity, man. You know, yeah. how do you treat another human being? OK, and I think that's what you you know you have black people and others right because you know you, you're seeing a lot of people you know protesting here and they're not all black yeah. people right they're not all people of color and they're not all americans you you're seeing you know protests in other countries you know based on what's going on here there's protests right now going on in other countries because i believe that for many people of all colors, you know, who are fair-minded and right-minded, they look at this and they say, enough is enough. And, you know, and, and for black people in particular, I speak for myself, but also I think I speak for many, there's a whole range of emotions, of anger, of frustration, of heartache, of pain. There's a profound sense of loss 
even though you know I don't know and didn't know you know um, you know George Floyd personally, um, it doesn't matter because in some ways I did know him. You know what I mean? Because in some ways he's me and I'm him. Yeah. And and I think that's the thing that we feel, right? That that because it was nothing about him that deserved that kind of treatment. So it right, so it could have been him, could have been me, could have been you, could have been any other person of color. And I think that's what's resonating with people right now. And you look at that, and you know, we're talking about um and we're going to jump in and talk about baseball, but there have been some baseball players who, you know, I'm talking about white players, white yeah. players, not African-Americans who are coming out and saying, you know, this is gone too far and enough is enough. Why is that? Because this is not simply a black issue. This is a human rights issue. You talked about it earlier with the knee on the neck. What human being? What human being deserves to have a knee placed on his or her neck for eight minutes or for any amount of time? Yeah. Uh, who, who, as a human being, how can you look at that and not be, you know, offended, angry, hurt, outraged, and all the rest of it? And I think that's what people are feeling. And, you know, right now there's a lot of stuff going out there on the streets and, um, you know, some protests, some peaceful protests, and then you have others who are, you know, um, the protests are more violent. And it's, um, I think, you know, on the latter part of it, a lot of it is, you know, the emotion and the heartache and the frustration and anger just boiling over. Yeah. And kudos to the white athletes and, and all the other white people who are standing up and and, you know, expressing their voice and their thoughts about this, because I think for a long time, it's been just, you know, black people speaking up and being ignored. But I think it, it is going to take some type of unison or maybe white people standing in the front lines to say, this is not okay. We can't keep doing this or this can't keep happening for, for it to resonate. And I think that's what we're seeing now, hopefully, you know, that these people are standing up with their black brothers and sisters. It's not just, you know, there's no, there's not a divide. There, need, there needs to be unison, some unity for everyone to see, you know, this is enough. Right. And, and, and quite frankly, that really is the history in this country. You know, when you really look at the civil rights movement, it was, yeah. right, a coming together of people from various races and ethnic backgrounds and religions coming together. Why? Because in the end, this was about humanity and yeah. how we treat our fellow human beings. And, you know, that's not something that is unique to any particular race. We all should care about that. And again, I come back to the right-minded, fair-minded people Mm -hmm. Most, if not all, do care about that. Now, do we have some people on the fringes? Of course, always will, right? Um, the hate groups and everything else and others. But, you know, I believe that, you know, that's the part of the history of the civil rights movement is that coming together that you just talked about. And 
yeah, we are seeing that. And here's the beautiful thing, though. We're seeing it among our athletes where, you know, many times athletes are told, what, shut up and dribble, right? Nah, yeah. ain't no shut up and dribble, no shut up and swing the bat, no shut up and, you know, shoot the hockey puck or whatever. No, because they're citizens of this of this society and they're speaking out and good for them because we're going to need every voice, you know, to come and effectuate change. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it makes for a tough time, but, you know, against that backdrop, you know, we, you know, we, we, we have these sports, including baseball, attempting to, to return to the field and baseball, when, when you compare it to basketball and hockey seems to be traveling a little bit of a, a, a more rocky road than those other two sports as they try to come back. Um, both sides, MLB and MLBPA, have made proposals. Um, right now, as we're talking, they seem to be far apart. MLB, 82-game season. Uh, MLBPA has proposed a 114-game season. MLB wants to have a second cut of player salaries that are already prorated. And MLBPA wants to maintain prorated salaries, but there's other moving parts in each of the proposals. But um, just overall, Rob, what's your thought, man? Do you think that, um, you know, that the sides will be able to come to some resolution and we can see baseball in 2020? I think eventually they will come to some type of agreement. There, there has to be some middle ground that the sport comes to because you can't be, like you were mentioning earlier, you can't be the only sport that doesn't make moves to come back, um, especially if things are starting to open up uh, with the pandemic and all that stuff. So you can't fall behind with baseball. And, you know, I think we've had this conversation before where baseball kind of lags behind a little bit with the other sports, especially with um, NBA and NFL. So this is the situation where baseball can't do that. They have to find some type of middle ground. I think they will at some point come to some type of agreement um, with the salaries, which is the big the big issue right now. Um, obviously, they have to figure out the health protocols and all that stuff. We understand that. Um, and that may be, maybe that's the most complicated part because it's the biggest unknown in everything. Um, but I think, you know, what everyone's hearing and seeing a lot of is the salary talk. And... You know, I, I find it hard for me to kind of side with the owner side a little bit because of the amount of resources that teams have and generate throughout the years and things of that nature. So when I saw that the players and the owners agreed to this, I think it was in March, they agreed to the prorated salaries. In my mind, I thought, well, you know, that's the, I think that'll be the biggest hurdle they overcome, you know, aside from the health stuff. And when the talk started happening of, owners wanted a, another cut, um, depending on whatever is going on behind the scenes and stuff like that. That's when I started to see the trouble going on. And, you know, I'm of the mindset, I side with the, with the players a little bit here. I'm, I'm of the mindset that if the players agree to the prorated salaries, which is already a reduced cut, regardless, you know, depending on how many games they play, whether it's half their salary or more than half, depending on the number of games, but I think that I thought that was a fair a fair deal. I thought that was a good compromise on both sides where let's just do the prorated salaries, let's get paid for what we play, 
and you know move on from there let's have that be our starting point and it it's it's unfortunate at this moment that that seems to be the biggest hurdle the hurdle that we thought was already crossed and done with has now resurfaced and it's causing a big roadblock in in this agreement to you know put the dates out there for the fans to know this is when baseball is finally coming back yeah and you know for for you know for some who say well why is it that the nba and the nhl seem to be moving forward on a smoother course than baseball i think in fairness to baseball they have some more complicated issues to work out as you just alluded to with the salaries because in the nhl and in the nba their seasons were just about done right um so the players had received most of their agreed to salaries for the current season but in baseball players have not yet received a paycheck for the regular season right because of when the shutdown occurred in spring training so in addition to the health protocols and in in addition to figuring out how many games you're going to play and where you're going to play them and how are you going to resume training camp you know in in spring training for baseball in addition to those issues which all the sports have baseball has another issue and that is the salaries as you just mentioned so it 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 adds another layer of complexity to their negotiations and obviously as you said even with prorated salaries you know under the commissioner's proposal commissioner's office proposal of 82 games you know that's roughly 50 percent right a little bit more than 50 percent of a 162 game regular season so players are already taking a hit right they did get some salary advance money um as part of that march agreement but they have to pay that back because it was a salary advance so in a situation where players are getting let's just say if there's a 82 game season they get 50 percent of their salary and they have to then pay back um the salary advance for baseball to come back and say we want an additional cut you can understand why players are not really hearing that too well you know um and especially when you're asking them to come back in a potentially dangerous environment right because we still i don't think you know some of the 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 health experts will probably say we still don't have this coronavirus under control here in this country so you're asking players to come back in a dangerous situation to their health and to the health of their families and then you're asking for a a salary cut on top of a salary cut on top of a payback your salary advance that's a tough ask when you put it together exactly and you know and a lot of people don't know a lot of the behind the scenes stuff so it's not just the baseball players come back and they play you know there's umpires there's you know different staff and crew and a lot of stuff goes into just getting one game started so it's not just the players that oh well why can't they just agree you know they're millionaires not a lot of players are millionaires either so you know there's a lot of moving factors that um the public may not understand which is the unfortunate part about a lot of this information being leaked to the public and to the media 
and things like that, that it just kind of makes the players seem greedy or whatever the case may be, or just saying, oh, well, maybe they don't want to come back. And it's it's not that. It's it's what you're saying. You know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that goes into just let's go play. It's not that simple. And I think people need to understand that as well, that it's, you know, the players aren't being selfish or greedy or anything like that. It's it's the health concerns. It's the already agreed upon pay cut. You know, it's what you mentioned, having to pay back that, that advance. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it that a lot of the public doesn't know or doesn't get to see because they only read the information that's leaked. Right. And, you know, as we're talking here, it was just yesterday that the MLBPA made its proposal to um, baseball of, again, 114-game season. But included in that proposal, though, Rob, was, you know, an offer by the by the players to have some salary deferrals, right, to help ease yeah. the financial burden on owners. So players who are making over $10 million dollars if the postseason was canceled, right, would, you know, because it could be canceled, right? We don't know. It could be another wave exactly. of the virus, right? And so if we don't have a postseason, you know, players were saying, hey, we'll defer our salaries. Um, you know, players making over $10 million would defer their salaries to help ease some of that financial burden um, on on the club. So it's not as if the players are saying we want everything and they're not, you know, totally inflexible, Right. Um, yeah. they've shown a willingness to, to make some moves to try to have a season. And in the end, it's going to take compromise, right? Where neither side walks away fully satisfied, but you have a deal. Um, exactly. Yep. So. And I think that's important to, you know, each side is going to lose something. So I think that, you know, they have to, like you said, they have to come to some type of compromise. The game can't just not happen and baseball miss out on the opportunity to come back and, you know, attract their fans. There are a lot of people waiting for baseball to start, and they can't let this stuff get in the way. And, you know, we just – we need the game. And I think the players' proposal, the one that you mentioned, 114 games, you know, I think that was more of a conversation started than the owner's initial proposal. So I think – I'm hoping that – this kind of sparks the conversation and gets things moving in a positive direction moving forward. You know, that's my sense that, that it will, you know, I think, um, you know, and let's, let's not forget before MLB made its initial proposal and they've only made one so far, but they floated this idea of the 50, 50 split. Remember? And, (laughs) you know, Tony Clark, the executive director of the PA, immediately shot that down and said, that's the equivalent of a salary cap. No way, no how are we going to agree to that. But that was never a proposal that was officially made by MLB. It was sort of a trial balloon that they, (laughs) you know, released in the media. And again, the players were not having any of it. Um, so MLB made their initial proposal of the 82 games plus some additional cuts. And Rob, some of those cuts were really severe. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so they were, okay, prorated salary, and then we're going to scale that back by, you know, the ones, the players who are making the most money were going to pay the steepest price, right? And, um, you know, Players weren't too happy about that for the reasons that we talked about. 
And now they've come back with their own proposal. And maybe at this point now, we can have some real discussion. Yeah, and those proposed cuts that you're mentioning, I did post on my Instagram about, they, I, it was a, a snapshot of the Yankees' highest paid players and kind of what they'll get paid with the proposed cuts. And Garrett Cole would go from $36 million down to eight. So that's a huge, huge jump from just the, you know, it, it, it was a massive second cut that the players were going to take. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that, Rob, is that the eight that Garrett Cole would end up receiving includes a playoff bonus that was going to yeah. be added to all players because, you know, players who were making that $35, 36000000 million range were going to end up being scaled back to about $5.5, 5, $5.6, $5.7 5. and then they'd get an extra $2 million or so as a playoff bonus. But imagine, you know, you're making a salary or you agree to a salary of $35 million. And I know there are going to be some people saying, I'll take $35 million any day, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I get it, you know, but let's put ourselves aside. We don't have $35 million a year talent, most of us, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we just don't, okay? So we don't have to get into that discussion. We know players get paid well. But that's the market that they're in. And so Gary Cole exactly. earned that. He earned the right to, to get that kind of a salary because of his performance, his talent, and everything else. But imagine, you know, you agree to $36 million and they want to scale back your salary to $6 million. And for someone to say, well, I can live on $6 million, that's not the point. Exactly. The point is he negotiated a fair salary in a, in a marketplace for $36 million. Look, everybody's taking the hit because of the virus. And so he would get about half of that is 18. But then you want to take the 18 and bring it down to six and then say, well, we'll give you a bonus so that we'll get you the eight. And he's supposed to say, sign me up. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned the, you know, because a lot of people have been saying that, like I mentioned earlier, you know, oh, but they're millionaires. So I'm glad you mentioned that part because, <laughs> God, I've had so many conversations with people on social media about that same topic. Or it's like, well, we're, we're not Garrett Cole throwing 100 mile an hour fastballs right. on the inside corner to make 35 million a year. So, right. You know, and, and I think if we wanted to just, you know, think about it in our own terms, if you negotiate a salary with your boss, you know, are you easily going to just take pay cuts because of, you know, you know, whatever your boss may want to say, you know, you're going to, you're going to want to protect your salary. You say, Hey, we agreed to this, right. And you want to protect it. And in a situation like this, where the business is being hurt and so forth, you say, okay, I may have to share my, you know, share some of the pain, but if you've already been asked to take half of what you agreed to, wouldn't you think that, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my share. Right. That's how players are. It's not like players are demanding 100% of their salaries, right? So yeah, yeah. and and that's that that's what I mentioned earlier too. Like you know, we thought the biggest hurdle would be salary going into anything, because you know a lot of it is money talk. And the fact that they agreed to the prorated salaries, basically right out the gate, in a sense, that was huge. So to come back and ask for, oh well, you know, you already agreed to half, but how about a uh, We'll take another half or whatever the amount may be. You know, it was obviously going to cause a lot of conflict in that situation. So 
That's yeah. the big thing. Yeah. And you know, Rob, one other issue that I think bears watching is in both proposals you know, from both sides, um, it dealt with the ability of players to opt out of playing. Um, and I, you know, I believe MLB's proposal was limited to those who were in, you know, had some health concerns or had family members who may be vulnerable, you know what I mean? And, and so yeah. the player may not want to put themselves in a situation where they can endanger their family member, right? Um, who would, you know, be vulnerable to the virus. Um, whereas the MLBPA proposal is broader in saying there may be some players who, even if they're not in that situation, either themselves or a family member, may simply say, you know what, it's not worth it to me, <laughs> right? Yeah. And they may want to opt out. Um, I think that's going to be interesting to see, one, how that gets resolved and who will actually have the, uh, the ability to opt out. Um, but then second, to see if, you know, if there will be players who opt out and who those players are. You know what I mean? It will be really interesting because, you know, if it's one of the star players on the team that, you know, is looking to contend or whatever, and it's, he's one of the leading, you know, starting pitcher or the leading hitter or whatever, and he says, you know what, fellas, I'm not playing this year. I'm opting out. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how that plays out. Yeah, it'll be big because there are a lot of, like, I think Mike Trout is expecting um, a baby sometime in the summer. So stuff like that would be interesting to see if maybe he decides. And that's a huge name. You know, Mike Trout, best player in baseball. If he decides, well, you know what, I'm not going to risk my my kid's health, my family's health. So I'm going to sit this one out. I don't think he would. Um, But you never know. And, you know, there's a lot of players out there that we don't know what they're dealing with on the personal side. And maybe they they do choose to opt out. So it'll be interesting to see how those players are perceived and received in the clubhouse moving forward, how their teammates look at them, how other players around the league look at these players who do decide to go with the opt-out, if that is, and if that ends up being part of the agreement moving forward. So I, I think you bring up a good point there. Um, it'll be something to watch for. Right. And how fans react as well. Um, yeah. But but this is where, Rob, you know, we have to take a step back and realize that, you know, these players in all the sports are supremely talented athletes. Yes. No question about it. But at the end of the day, they are human beings. They are husbands. They are wives. You know, they have, you know, family. They have children. And they have some of the same basic health concerns that all other people have every day, and especially yeah. in this current situation. And 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 that's what we have to realize. Because many times we, you know, we idolize our athletes because they're so talented, and sometimes we make them into super superhumans. But they're not superhumans. They're just simply human beings like everybody else. And this yeah. is where it, it it comes to bear. And um, you know, some of these athletes, as supremely talented as they are, may make, you know, those sort of fundamental decisions as a as a man or as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, and say, you know what, I'm not playing. And if that happens, um, I, I think that decision has to be respected. 
I agree. It definitely has to because at the end of the day, like you said, we're all human. And in this is a very unique situation with this pandemic. And I think that these people shouldn't be, these athletes shouldn't be judged based on the, the decisions they're making as a result of this. You know, if it's any other season and it's just, you know, labor negotiations and they decide, well, you know what, I'm not going to play, that's different, you know. But where these players have no idea, you know, we're, we mentioned earlier about a possible second wave, that's, you know, it, it could be worse than the first wave. So these players are putting their lives at risk, their families at risk, and I don't think that they should be judged harshly or unfairly for deciding to sit this one out and protecting their their families, which is at the end of the day the most important thing in their lives. Couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. And so, um, yeah. So there's a lot to keep our eyes on here um, with on the major league side and and, and what happens and whether. Um, the union and and Major League Baseball can come to an agreement. Um, we both believe that they will, and hopefully we will be proven right. But, um, you know, you mentioned something earlier when we were talking offline about the minor leagues um, because they're kind of getting lost here. But, um, you know, we have teams saying that's it you know at at the end of may that was the last of it we're not paying the minor leaguers anymore in our organization you have other teams that are committing to pay them until the end of august which would be the end of their regular season in any event and then you have some other teams that are somewhere in between so um what are your thoughts about minor league players who in some ways are being forgotten about here it seems i i feel really bad for a lot of the minor leaguers um because like you said they, they kind of are getting forgotten and they're feeling this a lot harder than the major leaguers because they're not major league players yet so you know they don't have the union behind them they don't have the guarantee that they're going to have a job tomorrow or next year or anything like that because they're in the minor leagues and you know the whole reduction of salaries or cutting their salaries off or whatever the case may be it's 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 hard to see and it's sad for me to see it because we're we're in a place that obviously a lot of people are suffering and all that stuff and even just that aside the minor leaguers are like you said they're forgotten and the owners aren't willing to pay um they're cut there's been a massive amount of cuts for minor league players and the fact that I, you know, there's been, I think David Price was one player who decided to kind of use his own money to pay for the minor leaguers in order to help them just make an everyday living. It, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, not because David Price did that. You know, I appreciate that he did that as someone who, who does feel for the minor leaguers, but it's not, I don't think it should be on the players to pay the minor leaguers, to pay their own peers. Um, it is great to see, but I don't think that's something that should be happening. And it, it, you know, it, it hurts the minor leaguers, not just because they're going to lose out on money, but they're also losing developmental time. Um, and, and I think it hurts more, not so much maybe the higher end of the minor leaguers, AAA, some AA players, but the low, low A um, and rookie ball and all that stuff, because those players are already on the fence on a year to year basis. And the fact that they're losing this year to, 
you know, get some live pitching or play with their practice with coaches and their own teammates and people of that, you know, that stature, they're losing that. So where their career was already on the fence, now they, they're losing an entire year. And so many of them probably have already been cut, but so many more will probably get cut and not have the opportunity to have their dreams come true and become major league players as a result of everything that's happening. And it, you know, it just sucks to see, honestly. Yeah, it, it's tough. And and the points that you made on the financial side, right? It, obviously, there's a hit because, you know, even up until for some clubs, you know, that stopped paying the players in at the end of May, those yeah. players are getting $400 a week. Um, so for many of them, they weren't getting what they would normally get. Um and, you know, you have some clubs that have stopped those payments. And and so there's that financial burden there for a lot of minor league players. But the other point you made is really important, and that's on the developmental side. To lose a year of development and development opportunities, you can't get it back. Um, you're a year older on the calendar now. Um, mm-hmm. There'll be another wave of players, not as many because it's not as, you know, the draft is only five rounds this year. But... There'll be yeah. another wave of players coming in, um, but you lost out on that, you know, as you said, the pitching, the playing, the coaching, the instruction, and you can't get that back. And and so that's, you know, again, and it's no one's fault, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's part of this 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 pandemic that we're in, but it it, it yet shows another layer of the effect of this virus on baseball in particular sports um, also and obviously we all are experiencing it um, in our everyday lives as well and it just shows the disruption and the devastation and the harm um, on so many levels that are caused by this virus yeah and it's it's tough to see because you kind of want just you know, all around fairness for everyone. But with obviously with the situation, it's it's hard to to see that and to give that because of the situation we're in. But yeah, it, it's tough. Like I said before, it's a very unique situation we're in. And um, we can just, all we can do at this point is just kind of hope for the very best of what we have. Yeah. And, you know, Rob, we, you know, we, we've been talking about this off and on over the past few weeks as we've been in a lockdown and, you know, we, we talked about, you know, if we ever did get to a point where we, you know, where it seemed as if sports was going to return, that that would be a good sign because it would mean that the virus was under some sort of control or, you know, in, in a better situation of containment and, hospital resources are freed up and so forth and so it does seem that we're moving that way but it's still with a lot of uncertainty um and we still don't you know we still don't know whether sports are going to return but it looks a lot um a lot better than it 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 did weeks ago um and even in baseball even though they have a lot of work to do hopefully they'll get it done And if they do, Rob, obviously, you know, as this goes on, we'll come back and we'll continue to talk about it. And hopefully in a few weeks, maybe we'll be talking about 
spring training and you know the delayed start of the 2020 season yeah that's the hope that's what i'm hoping for that you know one of us texts each other later this week saying we got it <laughs> we're coming back <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right right and we can come back and talk about the games on the field um you know i think we all could use that we all could use you know um you know just seeing the games back but obviously um there's a lot of work to be done um and at the same time you know we still have the virus that we have to be you know mindful of and yeah. as we were talking about at the top of the show um we also have some things going on in our communities that are of you know grave concern to us as well so there is a lot going on at this particular time even though many of us are you know in in some form of lockdown and and not as active as we are in our normal lives there's yet still a lot going on right now and so we'll see where it goes so you know we'll we'll stay in touch um again hopefully we'll be back sooner than later to you know talk a little bit more about baseball hopefully we'll be talking about a deal being done and and you know spring training being scheduled and all the rest of it but we just have to keep our eyes on it and either way it goes either which way it goes um let's let's be sure to to connect real soon and and talk about it and and uh hopefully bring some light to some of the topics that are going on at that particular time sounds like a plan thank you jeff i appreciate it man I appreciate you, man. Always appreciate you coming on and, and um, you know, being part of the show. So I'll talk with you soon. All right, Rob? All right. Take care. You too.